Isn't God good? Come on, give him some love today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God. I tell you what, uh, this, welcome to the 11 o'clock service. Uh, you know, I'm still figuring out this two service thing. Uh, we, we just did, you know, we were in the high school, um, for, for four, three, four years. I get them mixed up with the pandemic here. Uh, but, uh, we were online for 15 months and, uh, and so we, we didn't really meet anywhere for 15 months. So, um, we were in the high school, and we did one service because the high school auditorium's huge. And then we got into this space, and we went to we we figured what you know. There's a little bit of strategy involved, pandemic involved, and so uh, we went to two services. And I'm still trying to figure out how to do as good in the first service as I do in the second service, or how to do in the second service as good as I did in the first service. And I'm gonna be honest with you guys this morning. I'm trying to figure out how to do just as good in the last service as I did the previous service. So the first service was phenomenal. And the fact of the matter is, is the Holy Spirit's able to move at 9 a.m. and at 11 a.m. The Holy Spirit is able to move in both of them. And so I believe that God's got something incredible for you today. Not because of me and not based on my performance. I think we have a a tendency to base things on our performance. Man, I crushed it last service. (laughs) But guess what? It's not based on my performance. It's based on what he's already done. And so, good luck. (laughs) But for real... As I was worshiping earlier, I just thought, you know what? This pandemic has really stolen a lot from us. It's really taken a lot from us. It's really, and, and I said it in the first service, Satan has no new tricks. None. He's an old hag. Like, he has no new tricks. He uses the same things that he's used forever. It's not the first pandemic to ever hit mankind. We might want to think that it is, but it's not. He has no new tricks up his sleeve. And so we know that God is able to overcome this pandemic because he overcame the last pandemic. And, and so Satan has tried and tried and tried to use this to steal. And I'm tired of it. And I'm here to de- tell you today that he's done stealing from me. I hope he's done stealing from you. One of the things that he has stolen is relationships. He's used, and and he's done it in the name of COVID, and he's done it in the name of pandemic. He's done it in the name of divorce. He's done it in so many different ways, in so many different names. I'm telling you today, he's done stealing my relationships. And I will do everything that I can to protect them. And so, as the man of God for this house, and I am, as as, as crazy as that for me to say, and as, as humbly as I can say that, God's called me and my family to, to help start the Refuge Church, and therefore, I'm the, I'm the man of God. My, my, my wife helps me lead this, and we do it together as a team. Her name's Tanya, by the way. My name's Adam, and uh, we lead this church together as a team. 
And by the way, last Sunday, I don't know about you, but I really enjoyed last Sunday. My wife was up here speaking with me, and she did an incredible job. I did okay, but she did an incredible job, and we, we just do this together, and I absolutely love doing it with her, leading this congregation, this community. It's, I don't want to call it a congregation. I wanted to call it a community of people together, fighting for each other, not fighting with each other. And so, by the grace of God, we're doing this together. And, and so, I've decided, as the man of God in this house, I'm, I'm not going to allow my relationships to be attacked any longer, destroyed any longer by Satan. And I'm going to fight for them, and I want to encourage you to fight for them as well. But there are some things in God's word that I think this morning that we can help each other in our fight for relationships because relationships matter. So we're calling this series Relationship Matters because relationships matter. Relationships matter. And so last week, my wife and I talked about the purpose of relationships. We talked about four purposes of relationships out of Ecclesiastes chapter 4. It was easy to remember that there were four because it was Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And so um, we talked about the purpose. This week, we're going to talk about protecting those relationships, relationships in general, what it looks like to protect relationships. Next week, Tanya is going to talk about placement. I'm going to be out of town, and Tanya's going to talk about the placement of relationships. And let me tell you, she did, she did great last, uh, she did good last Sunday because I was up here with her. Next Sunday, she's going to do fantastic. Like, she's going to crush it next Sunday, and it's going to be absolutely incredible. Uh, 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 God's given her a word about the placing of relationships in our lives because they, it, it, some people get placed differently than others, and that's okay. So she's going to talk about that next Sunday. I don't want to steal her thunder. Um, and then, and then ne- the, the Sunday after that, we're going to talk about the process of relationships. There's a process to them. And they begin with a process. And on that Sunday, we're going to start the process of small groups. It's all by design, by the way. We're going to start small groups on, on February 20th because just like T said, sometimes you need people to wear your sweatpants around. Come on, somebody, right? So we need to wear our sweatpants. That doesn't authorize you to always wear sweatpants to small groups. I'm just saying, be comfortable, as comfortable as possible. But, um, but we need people to have the process of relationships with. And we're going to start small groups that Sunday. That's February 20th. And then the following, the last Sunday, we're going to conclude with the pain of relationships. Pastor Adam, why are you talking about the pain of relationships last and not first? Shouldn't you talk about the pain of relationships first? No, 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 because this morning we're talking about protecting relationships because you have to decide to protect relationships before you get to the pain of relationships. We have to say, before I experience pain in my relationship, I'm going to fight for that relationship. Because if I'm in the pain of the relationship, I'm not going to choose to protect it because I've been hurt. Why did I protect something that's hurt me? And so we have to decide before all of that, we have to, before, before the junk of relationships, we have to decide we're going to protect them. So that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Our theme verse for this whole series is found in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. I absolutely love this verse. I love the foundation of man. Like, like the book of Genesis 
is an absolutely incredible book because it's the foundation, the foundation of men and relationship with God and the way he formed us. And I'm absolutely in love with the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 2, verse, verse 18 says this. Then God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. I will make him a helper fit for him. It is not good to be alone. Last Sunday, we talked about how dangerous isolation is. I believe that Satan uses things like the pandemic to destroy our relationships because he wants us to live in isolation. Because if you can, he can get you alone, then he can get you in trouble. Come on. If he can get you alone, he can get you in trouble. And I know, as an Enneagram 9, that it is not good for me to be alone. Tanya and I got into uh, this study called the Enneagram. It's a personality assessment. Numbers 1 through 9. I'm not going to get into all the details because I don't want to tell you that much about myself. <laughs> not true. But the Enneagram, not, and there, there, are some, there are some theories, some things that are, that are spoken about the Enneagram. Um, take it for what it's worth. You can learn a lot about yourself from, from them. And so, um, as an Enneagram 9, I have a tendency when I'm unhealthy to go numb. I know that about myself. And, and, um, and I, I have a tendency, as, as my week this last week, I'll just tell you, was not good. It wasn't a good week. And I have a tendency in weeks that, I, that things aren't going, my circumstance not going that well, I have a tendency to, and just go numb. And just sit in the corner in the fetal position, rocking back and forth. That's not really what I do, by the way. <laughs> Somebody's like, uh, do you sell tickets to that? <laughs> no, I don't. But I go numb. And, and I, and I, but I know I, have a, I also have a tendency as an Enneagram 9 that when things are, un, when, when things are healthy and I have a horrible week, and if I'm healthy, then I'm going to say, okay, what do I need to do to make it better? That's, and that's the healthy place for me to be. That's, that's the way I'm wired. And I really believe that Satan will do absolutely everything to destroy our relationships, to get us to the place where me, I'm numb. You, you're isolated, however it is. He wants you in isolation because... God wants you with him, in relationship with him. The reason relationships matter is because they matter to God. The reason they matter to God is because he wants a relationship with us. And he wants to show us that we are able to have a relationship with him. And one of the things that he uses in a miraculous way is other people to show us that we're able to have a relationship with him. I don't know how he does it. I don't, sometimes I don't ask questions. How I many you know it's good not to ask questions sometimes? God does it in a miraculous way to where he shows me through my relationships with other people that I need to depend on him and that his relationship with me is what matters most. So relationships matter matters because relationships matter. I want to talk to you today about protecting those relationships because we have to get to a point where we protect relationships before we get to the pain. And so as I was thinking about this sermon, I was thinking about ways I could present it. And I thought of four questions that we should ask 
when it comes to protecting relationships. I don't know about you, but when I, when I hear we need to protect relationships, I have a lot of questions. And so these four questions are the ones I came up with. The first one is why? Why do I need to protect relationships? Well, um, this is foundational. This is the foundational question that we have to ask. Everything that we do should, should start with why. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. The second question is when or who do I need to protect? When or who do I need to protect relationships? The third question, I'm going to explain that question in a moment. The third question is, what do I need to protect my relationships from? What do I need to protect my relationships from? And then the last question that we'll ask is, how do I protect those relationships? I got I to tell you how to do it. And so I hope that we can learn to protect relationships because let me tell you, when we do, will become unified. And I don't know about you, but I could, I'm, I'm craving for some unity in this country. I'm craving some unity in my life. I need to know that I have people with me, people for me, people that will fight for me and not with me. I need to know that I have people that I can depend on in my life. Because the world doesn't show me that I can depend on it. I have to have people that I'm unified with. And so I want to talk to you about protecting relationships. I've been, I've been going back and forth. I told Tanya this joke last night. And she's like, you're not going to tell that, are you? I'm like, well, we'll see. And so <laughs> now I have to tell you, right? So I didn't tell it in the first service. That's why I did good in the last service. I'm going to rewrite the joke because Tanya goes, you know how you could tell that better? So, does anyone know the quickest way to kill a friendship? Homicide. <laughs> That's a bad joke. See, it's a bad joke. I shouldn't have told it. I shouldn't have told it. I have officially done better in the first service than the second service. All right, let's go. So, the questions are, why? Simon Sinek is a relationship guru, and he said, any re- leader that wants to do anything effective with a team has to start with the question of why. There's a great YouTube video that's Simon Sinek's Start With Why. If you have about 15 minutes this week to kill, go, to, go there to YouTube, type in Start With Why, and Simon Sinek's talk will come up. It is absolutely fantastic. Start with why. Why do we protect our relationships. Now I'm asking myself, why did you tell that joke? That was terrible. That's the way I think. As an Enneagram 9, I'm very insecure, and that's the way I think. So, so I, I <laughs> do not go home and tell that joke to your family that's not here. Whatever you do, I killed it. <laughs> that was funnier than the joke. Thank you. Ryan, his name is Ryan Hossman. He leads singing. He leads worship for us. And he is the punniest guy I know. He's so great. I killed it. Oh, my gosh. Now I, I, there's no recovering. Let's just go home right now. Relationships matter because relationship matters because relationships matter. Why? Why do we protect our relationships? Well, if I could pat myself on the back for a moment... Because I was just hard on myself, so I could pat myself on the back now, right? That's the way it works. 
I love the title of this series, not because I actually came up with it, but because it really sticks. Relationship matters because relationships really do matter. Why, why do we protect our relationships? Well, because relationships matter. Duh. But why do relationships matter? Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Only verse in Revelation we'll read today. We're going to uh, read uh, for, in First Samuel in just a moment. You can turn there. But also, if you're, if you're new here for the first time, we, we post our, all of our notes on the YouVersion Bible app. And uh, you can go to the YouVersion app. You can uh, download it. It's the most, number one most downloaded Bible on your phone, smart device, whatever you use. Um, I don't think it's on the Nintendo Switch that Tanasia talked about earlier. But, um, but you can go into the YouVersion Bible app, go into events, and follow along with all of today's notes. They're right there for you. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 says this. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come and eat with him and he with me. Now this is Jesus that is speaking to John, the revelator who wrote the book of Revelations. And he says, if you, if you, if I knock, I knock on your door, on the door of everyone's heart, at some moment in time, all of our lives, we feel this thing on our heart. And if we open the door to him, the Bible says, I will come and I will eat with you. I will, I will sit down with you. I will have a relationship with you. The fact of the matter is God desperately wants a relationship with 100% of mankind. It doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter what socioeconomic status they have. It doesn't matter anything about their lives except the fact that Jesus wants a relationship with you. And because he wants a relationship with us, he wants to use relationship with other people to show us his desire for us to have a relationship with him. That's what he wants for relationships. He wants all relationships to point to him. His creation points to him, let alone relationships with other people. And as sinful as people are, he has the ability to use every relationship formed to point us to a relationship with him. And so relationships matter because Jesus wants a relationship with us. That's why we protect them. That's why we fight for them. Because they are so important to us that we stay out of isolation so that we have a relationship with our Father. It points us to that. It doesn't give us the relationship. It points us to the relationship. That's why we have to start with why and protect our relationships. The second question is when should we protect relationships or who should we protect those relationships with? Now, this, the, the answer to this question is a little bit more complicated. When I started thinking about the protection of relationships in the Bible, I started, I, I, like, I was like, whoa, hold on. There are so many relationships in the scriptures that are protected. I, like, all the way back to Abraham and Isaac. You know, the, the, if, you've, if you've been raised in Sunday school, you, you, had the, you saw the flannel ga- graph in, 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 in Sunday school. Um, which, by the way, if there's a flannel graph of this one, that's terrible. What are we teaching our kids? 
when Abraham is asked by God to go to take his son Isaac to the mountain and to sacrifice him. That's why I said if there's a flannel graph for this, it's not good. And he, they go up to the mount, mount They go up to the mountain, and and they they gather the wood, and 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 they go up. Many people believe that Isaac was actually in his twenties at the time, so he's actually grown uh, like like he's a man. And he takes his son Isaac, and he takes him to the mountain, and he goes to kill him with the with the knife, because God had asked him to. If you love me, sacrifice your son for me. So he takes him up to the mountain. He goes to do it. And what happens? The angel of the Lord appears to him. And he goes, whoa, not today. And he grabs his arm. It's in the Bible. It's in Genesis probably around 14 or 15. That's just off the top of my head. I'm not exactly sure what it is. Maybe 17. So he grabs an arm. And he stops him from doing it. Because God at the heart wants to protect our relationships. He didn't have Abraham kill his son because at the heart he wants to protect our relationship. Well, that's not the story that God gave me. <laughs> he actually gave me the story of, a, of two guys by the name of Saul, um, David and Jonathan. You see, Jonathan's dad was King Saul. He was the king of Israel. He was the first king of Israel. And um, and, and, and so God gave me this story of, of, of David and Jonathan. It's, the one that we're going to look at to get the meat is, is found in 1 Samuel chapter 20. But we want to look at 1 Samuel chapter 18 first. Verses 1 through 4 of 1 Samuel 18 says, As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Who did he love as his own soul? It was David that he loved as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David. Because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and, and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. He gave everything to David. So they formed this covenant relationship with each other. And David says here, what's mine is yours and what's yours is mine. Now, I need to stop and say something right here that's very important. That's not PC. I'm going to say it anyway. And that is many people have, listen, Satan is a thief. He will steal, kill, and destroy from us, but he will also steal, kill, and destroy from God's word. So he's going to use people to steal, kill, and destroy God's word. But listen, the Bible says that the word will not return void. It's not false. It's true. So when we hold, hold to it, it is the truth. But Satan's going to try to steal from it. And so he's got people that are trying to give it, convince us that at this moment, the Bible, I mean, you read it with me. It said Jonathan took off his robe and gave it to David. Well, so people want to turn this into a homosexual relationship between David and Jonathan. But thank God the Bible wasn't written in English. At this moment, it's written in Hebrew. 
And I know and you know that there are other words for love in the Bible or in, in, in the language of Hebrew, also in Greek. And we use the word love in, in Hebrew, like, like for English, we use the word love. I love tacos. I love Tanya, but I also love tacos. <laughs> I don't love Tanya like I love tacos. It's confusing. That was funny, wasn't it? Okay, I'm back in the ball game. I, maybe. So, English, love is confusing. But in Hebrew, it's not. Because we have different words for love in Hebrew. We have different words for love in Greek. And in this moment, it doesn't say sexual love between Jonathan and David. It says brotherly love. It's not a homosexual relationship. And I'm off my soapbox now. The, the two form a covenant relationship with each other. So the question is, who, when do we protect our relationships? And this is the answer. When you're in covenant with that person. What makes a covenant with someone? Well, I don't know about you, but I don't go around saying I'm in covenant person. I'm, I'm in covenant relationship with my friend Matt. I'm in covenant relationship with my, with my wife, Tanya. I don't go around saying I'm in, I'm in covenant relationship with people. So how do we know? And the fact of the matter is we know we're in covenant relationship when Jesus is at the center of it. How do we form covenant relationships with each other? We do it in the body of Christ. It's why we have small groups to form covenant relationships with each other. And you may not want covenant relationships with each other. And I understand that. But you need covenant relationships with each other because they point us to God. And we need people in our lives that will say, Adam, you're not healthy right now. You're going numb. You need to wake up. You need to, you need to do something. You're better than this. And I need covenant relationships in my life to point out my blind spots. And I need to protect those covenant relationships with the people that I love. With the people that I've formed a relationship with. Listen, I believe this sermon could transform this church. And this church could transform this community. Because we'll be unified with Christ at the center. But we have to be bold. We have to be brave to form covenant relationships with people. With Jesus at the center of it. Does that mean that we're not going to get hurt? No, it does. But that's why we fight for our relationships and not with our relationships. Because we have to have covenant relationships with each other. C.S. Lewis said, friendship is born at the moment that when a person says to another, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. You know what that tells me? That tells me that you have junk, and you have junk, and I have junk, and you have junk, and we all have junk together. You know what? We might as well be unified in our junk. We're not perfect. 
but we have to be bold and brave enough to form that relationship with Christ at the center because guess what? Christ has no junk. He has none. And we can center ourselves in him. And he makes us perfect. Not us, but in him, his strength is made perfect. Hallelujah. Question number three, what do I need to protect my relationships from? So why relationships matter? Two, because we have to have covenant relationships. We form those, we, we fight, we protect covenant relationships. Three, what do we protect my relationship from? What do we protect it from? First Samuel chapter 19, verse 1 through 3 says, And Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son. So this is King Saul, his son Jonathan, he's speaking to. And all of his servants, he, call, he, he calls in everybody. And he tells them they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan and David, and Jonathan told David, Saul, my father, seeks to kill you. Therefore, be on your guard in the morning. Stay in secret place and hide, and I will go and stand beside my father in the field where you are. And I will speak to my father about you. And if I learn anything, I will tell you. At this point in King Saul's history, King Saul's life, King Saul is now a bad person. You see, at one point, King Saul was the first king of Israel. He was, he was the one that, that Samuel goes to, and he anoints him the first king of Israel. And he's, a, and he's a good dude. But something happened when David slaughtered Goliath. When David killed Goliath. Saul got jealous. And in that moment, Saul gets jealous. Why? Because if you know anything about royal history, you know that there's such a thing as a royal bloodline. That royal bloodline stays within that family. Who was supposed to be king? Jonathan. Jonathan was supposed to be king. Meanwhile, Jonathan could care less. Because he knows that this is God's plan. This is God's plan for Israel. David is God's plan for Israel. And he knows that he didn't kill Goliath. So David is the next king. And, John, and, they, and Saul, man, I can't get the three men. <laughs> back to, the, back to, to not as good as the first service. I'm kidding. Saul is upset that Jonathan is not going to be king. And so he's trying to kill David because he thinks, if I just kill David, oh, how many times do we, do we say to ourselves, if I could just do this, then maybe God wouldn't do that. But God's going to go, no, no, no. I'm going to do this, and you're going to follow. Saul thinks if he kills David, that it'll fix the family bloodline, the royal bloodline. And that Jonathan could be king. So the question, what do I need to protect him from? 
Well, Saul is trying to kill David. You need to protect your covenant relationships from destruction. From destruction. Because Saul is trying to destroy David. But Jonathan steps in and goes, hey, man, I'm going to tell you what my dad says. And I'm going to protect you. Because I don't want you destroyed. Now, I realize that relationships are pretty sticky sometimes. That word destruction when it comes to relationships can mean a whole slew of things. Does anyone say slew of things anymore? I just did. A whole slew of things. It can mean a lot. When it comes to friendships, it can mean a broken friendship. When it comes to marriage, it can mean divorce. When it comes to to someone else like Saul, it could mean killing. It could mean actual little harm. And people can, can want to harm your friends. Destruction means a lot of different things. But we have to protect our covenant relationships from destruction. Because the Bible, one of my favorite verses, if you've been coming to the refuge for very long, you know that one of my favorite verses is John chapter 10, verse 10. And it says that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you may have life more abundantly. God wants to give you abundant life. And, and I, I love the picture of abundance because we get this idea that abundance means a lot. That abundance means happiness. That abundance means wealth. No, no, no. It just means that you're going to have enough to share with other people. My abundant life means that I'm going to have enough life to share with you. That's what abundance is. I have enough life to share with you. But Satan wants to destroy it. He wants to stop it. He wants to do anything that he can to destroy it. We can't let him. We have to protect our relationships from destruction. The last question, how do I protect my relationships? So how, Adam? Pastor Adam, how do I do it? If, if, if this is so important, if relationships matter and covenant relationships are at the core and I'm supposed to protect covenant relationships from destruction, how do I do this? I'm glad you asked. For this question, we have to dig a little deeper into the story of Saul, um, David and Jonathan. And we have to look at 1 Samuel chapter 20 and, and really it's worthy of the entire chapter, but we don't have time for that. So we're going to. I'm going to tell you this story. And when we read 1 Samuel chapter 19, we saw that, that Saul wanted, wants to kill David. He wants to kill David because Jonathan is supposed to be king. He's trying to kill him. And so when we get to 1 Samuel chapter 20, there's a festival taking place. And it's called the New Moon Festival. And it lasts for three days. It's a Jewish tradition even to this day. And it's a three-day tradition. And David, because he's been anointed to be the next king, he's supposed to be in the king's house during the ceremony, during the festival. And so David's expected to be there. And so David says, dude, I can't go to your dad's house. He's going to kill me. And that's a lot different than it, was, than it meant when you were a teenager, let me tell you. 
If you went to your, 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 buddy's, your, your buddy and you said, bro, your dad's going to kill me, it meant something completely different than it did right here. Like Saul actually threw a, a spear at David to try to kill him. But he didn't because David was the Lord's anointed. He, he had plenty of opportunities, but he didn't. He never did. So there's this three-day ceremony that's taking place, and David's supposed to be in the house of Saul. He goes to, to, to Jonathan. He says, bro, your dad's going to kill me. And this is what Jonathan says in verse 18. Then Jonathan said to him, tomorrow is the new moon. And you will be missed because your seat will be empty. He says, tomorrow's a festival, but guess what? You ain't going. He continues. Verse 19, on the third day, go down quickly to the place where you hid yourself when the matter was in hand and remain beside the stone heap. And I will shoot three arrows to the side of it as though I shot at a mark. You know why I shot three arrows? Because they didn't have text messaging back then. It would have been so much easier. If he could have just, hey, bro, I'll just text you to tell you if my dad, if my dad wants you to come or not. So he says to David, go and hide among these rocks. I'm going to go out and I'm going to shoot three arrows, just like I was shooting for the, for the, for the target. He keep, keep reading verse 20. I will shoot three arrows to the side of it as though I shot at the mark. And behold, I will send a boy saying, go find the arrows. If I say to the boy, look, the arrows are, uh, are on the side of you, take them. Then you are to come. For as the Lord lives, it is safe for you, and there is no danger. So he's saying, if I say to the boy, bring me back the arrows, then you're good, bro. Like, you can come, you can eat my dad's house, it's all good. Verse 22. But if I say to the youth, look, the arrows are beyond you, then go, for the Lord has sent you away. Who sent him away? The Lord sent him away. And as for the matter of, of which you and I have spoken, behold, the Lord is between me and you forever. At the end of the day, you know what? We are centered in Jesus. We have a covenant with each other because we formed it long ago, and we have a covenant with, with each other. And if you have to go, it's just for a time. And I'm here. So David misses the festival. Saul is mad. I said mad because I couldn't say something else. He's mad. He is so angry. And so Jonathan goes and he does this thing with the arrows and and David goes on his way. Look what happens in verse 41 through 43. And as soon as the boy had gone, David rose from beside the stone heap and fell on his face to the ground and bowed three times. And they kissed one another and they wept with one another. David weeping the most. This, this tore David apart. He didn't want to have to go. Then Jonathan said to David, go in peace because we have sworn, both of us, in the name of the Lord, saying, that the Lord shall be between me and you and between my offspring and your offspring forever. Our families are going to be together no matter what because we formed this relationship with each other. 
And he rose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. And so, I want to give you the big idea at the end of the sermon today. And the big idea is this. You protect covenant relationships from destruction at all cost. At all cost. You protect them from being destroyed at all cost. Jonathan was torn apart. David was torn. Like, like he was, he was bawling because he didn't want this relation. He didn't want this separation. But he said, you know what? Even though it hurts, I will go because this, this is important. And it's important because Jesus is at the center. And because Jesus is at the center, it can never be destroyed. It can never be destroyed. We have to have covenant relationships that we protect. I'm tired of a church that stops fighting for each other. I'm tired of a church that can't be unified, that can't come to God's word and say, we will stand on this because this will never tear us apart. And at the end of the day, Jesus is the center so it can never be destroyed. Even if, even if someone were to die, we're still, not, we're still not destroyed because we will be in heaven together. Death, where is your victory? Oh, grave, where is your sting? You cannot destroy me because Jesus is at the center of it all. So we must. We must protect our covenant relationships at all costs. Why? Because John chapter 15 verse 13 says, Greater love has no man than someone that would lay down his life for his friends. All cost. We'll protect our covenant relationships at all costs. Stand to your feet. Let's pray together. It's my desire, it's our desire, I believe it's God's desire that we would form covenant relationships. Relationships that matter. Because with Jesus at the center of them, they can't be destroyed. Tanya's going to talk about next week about how those relationships are placed. Because there's a placement. But we need covenant relationships with each other because God wants a covenant relationship with you. You see that verse I just read in John chapter 15, verse, verse 13, that says, Greater love has no man than he that lays down his life for his friends. Jesus did that for us. So that we could be in covenant relationship with him. And at the end of every service, this is the showroom floor, just like Tanasia said. This is just the surface. 
You can go deeper in relationship with small groups. We're going to do that in two weeks. But this is a showroom. This is just the surface. And the fact of the matter is, is that there are some people in this room that have to form a covenant relationship. The only way you get into a covenant relationship is with agreement. Where two people come together and say, we're forming this relationship together. God has already agreed to form a relationship with you. You have to agree to form a relationship with him. But the way that we do it is we confess that we broke the relationship in the first place. We broke our relationship with God. So we have to come to him and say, God, I know I've sinned. And I know that sin broke that relationship with you. Come into my life. And save me by the blood of Jesus. Fact of the matter is, a relationship series like this, there, every week there will be relationships that will come to your mind. Some of you are sitting there and you're saying to yourself, well, that relationship was destroyed. I really missed the boat on that one. You know the great thing about Jesus? Is he's the God of redemption. He specializes in redeeming relationships. But the redemption of relationships always starts with forgiveness. I'm sorry, it always starts with confession. Confessing that you've done wrong. Then the forgiveness comes. We're human. It may mean that you need to go home and you need to have a hard conversation with someone today. A hard conversation with someone and saying, listen, dude, I know I screwed up. I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? They'd be like, what? Did you go to church this morning? Yeah, I did. Maybe some of you are here and you're, you're, you have some relationships that are on the brink of, of being shattered. If that relationship is a covenant relationship, and maybe it's not. And I'm not saying that, that you have to let relation, friendships that, that the person isn't a Christian. I'm not saying that you need to let those be destroyed. Don't, don't hear me say that. Fight for those relationships too. Because the fact of the matter is, is your relationship with the Father can point that person to the relationship with the Father. Come on. So you have to have things right with Jesus first. Facts of the matter is, we're talking about relationship matters because relationships matter, but there's one relationship that matters the most. And that is a relationship with your father, Jesus, who died for you. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus died for you so that you can have a relationship with the father. If you need a relationship with the Father, I want to invite you into this prayer in just a moment. But if you're here and you have relationships that are on the brink of destruction. My friend Elaine is on your left. My friend Dave is on your right. They're amazing people. They would love to help you fight with those relationships, fight for those relationships. And you do it with prayer. You do it with prayer. But if you're here and you need to form the most important relationship that we need,
with Jesus, I want to invite you into this prayer with me. Say, God, I know I need you. I know I've sinned. And because of my sin, I know that relationship was broken. But God, I come to you today confessing that I need a relationship with you today. By the blood of Jesus, your son, who died for me on the cross, come into my life. Save me and help me live for you. If you said that prayer, you can say amen, by the way. If you said that prayer, on the, your way out, there's a, there, there, it's the feather. We call it guest services. They have a card that they would love for you, that I would love for you to fill out. It's a card where you can write your name, but it also has two, two, two sections on it that says, I'm committing my life fresh to follow Jesus. Or it says, I'm recommitting my life to follow Jesus. Check whichever one applies. Give it to them, and I will send you a card with next steps and how to help you follow Jesus. Because this is a journey, and we need each other. I don't know about you, but I want to celebrate the fact that God is giving us another week to live for him. And we're going to do that together by singing another song. And we're going to get off on the right foot this next week. We hope that this, this song will catapult, catapult you into a phenomenal week. And we want to worship God together. If, if you want to come and pray, you can do that. Thank you.